Please allow me to set the stage for you. Um, Way back, I was love-struck in South Dakota. (laughs) I'm riding in the backseat clutter of a rust-on-white 20-year-old Dodge Dynasty. (laughs) My brother is up front riding shotgun. My good friend is riding next to him at the helm. And he grips the red leather steering wheel as it shivers from the speed we're going because we're flying west through the night to Montana. Missoula, Montana, where I had only recently dropped out of grad school to feverishly write love songs. (laughs) Like crazy amounts of love songs. Like... Is he safe to be among the general population? Amounts of love songs. And these love songs were had but one muse. And she was still out there in beautiful Montana. So, like Don Quixote in a Dodge Dynasty, I had found my mission. I was to ride out into the mountains and declare my love for her in song. Yes, I would warble out my best sonnet and win her heart. My two travel companions, not so much. They were going hiking. And uh, we arrived in Missoula early the next dawn, and we went immediately to the trailhead, and I watched them walk off into the woods as I turned immediately back around, and I started my way back to town. And uh, I was... I was getting more and more nervous as I got closer and closer to her house. But uh, I even found myself picking these little pathetic little purple flowers along the roadside. (laughs) It was sickeningly sweet. You know, as I got closer and closer, I began to feel that rush of adrenaline from the unfolding surprise. But you see, the surprise was on me. Because I had learned immediately as I stepped onto her front door stoop from her roommate that she was actually 500 miles west in Seattle moving in with an (laughs) ex-boyfriend. I was heartbroken and I was defeated. I walked away from her house searching for any way out of the embarrassment and the pain and uh, trying to find an excuse how I was going to tell my brother and my friend. And uh, I started my way back up to the trailhead My cheeks were still flush from the original exhilaration. That's when it happened. This little melody flickered to life in my imagination. And I began humming the words to this brand new song. It went like this. I picked a purple flower for you. I left the gold ones on the hill. I picked a purple flower for you and I left it on your windowsill. An element of surprise with the sun up high in the air. I rang your bell about three or four times, but you were not there. (laughs) 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 It was at this moment that I realized that writing love songs can make the bullshit of life totally worth it. I write love songs for a living. I mean, yes, I write other songs, but mostly they're love songs. And uh, for 24 years now, I have poured out my heart and soul to strangers in bars, coffee houses, churches, American Legion halls, 
backyards and everywhere in between. And I've learned after two decades of doing this, singing songs from the heart, there's a specific art to writing a love song. This love feverish trip out to Montana illustrates one of those lessons is that there, first and foremost, there must be longing and vulnerability. In order to really connect with an audience, you must dare to play the fool. And boy, have I. <laughs> Another lesson in writing a love song is that oversharing is essential. <laughs> my love songs are like snapshots of my private life. And uh, they're like pages ripped out of my leather-bound journal, sometimes literally. And there's also this, that a good song almost always will mean different things to different people. Take my best and saddest song that I've ever written. It was about my divorce. And the irony is I've been asked to sing this divorce song at two weddings and an anniversary celebration in Mexico. Yeah. I repeat that. I have flown down to Mexico. I was flown down to Mexico to sing my divorce song, the most heart-wrenching time of my life, as this happily married couple danced the night away. The song itself is about this awkward conversation that I thought only applied to me. It was, uh, but anybody who's been through a divorce understands, especially when children are involved, that there's this awkward dance in the post-divorce conversation over the phone where you're each trying to move on but also honor the family you've began. In the Midwest, we tend to talk about safe things, don't we? Things that we have in common, like the weather. Hence the song's title, How's the Weather? And uh, I'm still baffled at the process, the life of a song, from scribbling it in my little journal to recording it to the listener's ears. Uh, it's kind of like the, a chain of people where you whisper a secret at one end, and by the time it reaches the last person, it's completely transformed into something else. This thought came to mind as I stood there on that terracotta-tiled veranda in Extapa, Mexico, as this couple danced 10 feet from me, and I was singing these very personal lines. How is home? How's that job? How's that child that you and I brought into the world? How he's grown? How he's so much like you and me together? How's the weather? I go on to describe this thunderstorm like looming down and the end of a chapter in a love story. How does that become a marriage song? <laughs> I don't know. But I've learned to embrace and even cherish these many diverse perspectives on this, my best and saddest song. One more lesson in the art of writing a love song is that a good song will have a power of its own. Sometimes it's more power than the author even knows. 
I once wrote a song years ago that I thought was just this throwaway song. I recorded this rough demo of it, and I sang it a few times, and I didn't think much of it. But people really, really responded to it, and they really loved it. And it's called Shining Stars, and I was just thought it was a selfish love song that I wrote for one individual. But like I said, songs have this power of their own, and they seem to grow, and they wander into other people's hearts, only to return again to reveal their own power through the lives that they touch. This was never more true than I found myself singing this song at my mother-in-law's funeral, or mother-in-law-to-be. You see, I was about to be remarried, my second marriage, and when six days before this wedding, my wife-to-be and I woke up to the terrible news that she fell asleep and just didn't wake up. We were sent into this tailspin of grief and confusion as people, family members and friends were flying from all over for our wedding only to land to give us condolences instead of congratulations. It was heart-wrenching. We found a little solace in the planning of her celebration of life. I mean, I say we planned it, but my mother-in-law was a meticulous planner. So she kind of had planned the entire celebration herself. And she left it in a file called a going away file. And she had written out the entire service. And I remember reading that and seeing music. Chad, sing Shining Stars. And I was gutted. I was honored, and, but I was also a little confused. I mean, I knew she loved that song because she had requested it several times at my shows and I'd sang it for her. But I couldn't gather why it meant so much to her, especially for a celebration of life. I was very nervous to get up there in that gymnasium filled with people who loved her, including her parents, her husband, her children and grandchildren. I mean, I choked up halfway through it. I pushed on and I sat back down in that metal chair in that gymnasium next to my wife. And she patted me on the back and said, I did a wonderful job. And then I remember her casually just crossing her legs. And I looked down and I noticed her familiar tattoo that's just on her ankle of a simple little star. And it's the same tattoo that all of the women in her immediate family had gotten before I'd even met them. Shining stars. Ah, suddenly all made sense. And I learned a very valuable lesson through this as a writer. To leave a window open for the song to go out and find its own power in others, but also so it can come back in and teach me, the writer. All in all, this life of writing love songs for a living has rewarded me in the most unexpected ways. It's brought me to a deeper connection to humanity through its pursuit. I, the lyrics, the melodies, the performances, all just serve as tools to connect with others' hearts. 
I've dedicated my entire life to this, to describing the interior world we all share. And it's offered me many chances to understand a little more deeper the mysteries of love. But they remain just that, of course. A complete mystery. A mystery that beckons me to keep writing, keep searching, keep learning, and especially keep singing. So that someday, hopefully, this tapestry of songs that I've written may bring some deeper answers to some of life's most simple questions. Like, how's the weather? Thank you. Thank you.